When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, otro defensor, otro disparo, Monreal, gol. Marca el futbolista español, marca Nacho Monreal. Pim, pam, pum. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, goodly evening to you. Goodly evening to you too. Uh, it's a late start. It is a late start. People are unhappy. They're complaining. I take absolutely no responsibility for this because it is entirely your fault because it's you fault. you've been living it up, living the high life in glitzy old Belgium. I have. I've been try- desperately trying to extend Christmas. You know, most people have sort of been back at work maybe a couple of days now. They've adjusted to reality, mm. and I have. Stuck my head in a Christmassy, festive ground and refused to pull it out until this point. Today's the day I come back to work and it's, uh, well, you know, it's it's there's good things and bad things. There are good things and bad. So did you just spend the weekend eating waffles and mules and frites and doing something disgusting like having mayonnaise with your with your frites? No, I don't like mayonnaise. At all? No, not a fan. Have we talked about this? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't like James, this I had, is episode 265. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's probably no food stuff we haven't gone on about at some point. <laughs> I, I ate so much food. I mean, because I sort of was conscious of the fact that once I get back, some kind of self-care has to take place. You yeah. know, some sort of form of fitness regime in terms of diet and exercise will have to kick into gear this week. I knew that in my mind. And so the whole weekend was spelt spent gorging on stuff that I didn't need. At one point on a Sunday, I realised I hadn't had a waffle yet uh, in Bruges. I'd been there three days and I was leaving the next day and I was like, I have to eat a waffle, but I'm full. But I just had to eat the waffle. Just got it down. Just force it in. Just get it down there. Really tenacious stuff. I really committed to the whole project. It was interesting as well because in preparation for going to Bruges, I'd watched the... The film In Bruges. Have you oh, seen In Bruges? I have seen In Bruges. Yes, of course. I mean, it's it's almost a, a documentary. The way yeah. it, you know tells you so much about Belgium and Bruges itself. Certainly, yeah. I mean, you must have been able to find your way around, no problem. Well, exactly. I mean, it's like I didn't need a map. They tried to give me a map in the hotel. I was like, <laughs> you guys, I've seen the film. But the weird thing is, um, without wanting to give away the entire plot of the film, there there's some bloody moments in the film, mm. some real gore in there, um, as you get in any McDonald's stuff. And so there's this weird thing where you're going around like, oh, look, it's that thing for the film. But then to a certain extent, the kind of fairy tale prettiness of Bruges is spoiled and soiled by your memories of it covered in blood. So... That's an interesting kind of, you know, dichotomy. Yeah, it's been a long time since I was in, in Bruges, actually. Uh, and I've forgotten... Have you been com- to Bruges? I think so. <laughs> I think so. 
Uh, That's what most people feel about Belgium, I think. You know, no, I've been well, there, I think I've been there. But we've I, got many know. Belgian listeners, and uh, hello to all of you guys. Um, I've been, I've certainly been to Brussels, and I'm pretty sure it was in Bruges. Uh, but of course, I don't really remember the film. I do remember there were some bloody bits. There was uh, what's his name, Cotton Vital. He was in it. And, yeah, he's, uh, he's in it. Uh, who's the other the, guy? The other guy, the older guy. He's uh, got a son. His Brendan, son's an actor. Brendan Gleeson and Donald Gleeson is the son that you're thinking of, who's in yeah. the the new Star Wars movies. And is it Rafe Fines? It's his Rafe Fines. His name is his, his name is Ralph. Yeah, it's Ralph. <laughs> You don't get to pronounce it something different just because you don't like the name Ralph. Rafe. Is he spelled? Does he spell it Ralph? It is, isn't it? I, I think I think that's right. But how has he managed to? Like, there must have been such an early period of his life. You know, when he first sort of became famous, where yeah. he had to insist on being called Rafe. I would have given up the third or fourth time someone called me Ralph. I would have been like. I'll uh, go with yeah, it. Just fucking, it, yeah, just call me if Ralph. If it's good enough for Lauren, it's good enough for me. Yeah, exactly, but, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's being very cockney in it, and it's sort of, because you know he's so posh in real life, you sort of can't quite buy it, even mm. though he's very good. He is good, he is good. It's worth uh, It's worth a watch. Worth it a is watch. worth a watch, yeah. yeah. Martin McDonough, isn't it, I think. Is it the same but guy who did Three Billboards? I guy. think it is, yeah. Okay. I think it is. So his films have just got worse over time. There's a controversial yeah. opinion for people now. They'll be giving out to me. A but, shout out to um, Delaney's, the Irish bar, where I watched uh, the Arsenal game. You found an Irish bar? Wow. I, thought I found we only, two. I thought we only Bruges. had those here. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, right, the reason they're everywhere is they are good. Like, Delaney's was great, you know. What, nice did, you, what did you do? Did you have a beer? Did you have a fry up? Did you have a pie and chips? <laughs> I had a Guinness and a fry-up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sat in front of the football. Um, no, it was... And I had the rugby on as well. It was a nice a nice bar. I mean, listen, I, I didn't spend the whole weekend in Delaney's. Um, I did experience some Belgian... I ate waffles and I ate chocolate. Okay. And I drank Belgian beers, but, you know, I was in... They, they had the game on, crucially. The other Belgian bar I tried had Spanish football on, of all things. <sighs> What the hell's going on there? Spanish football. Nobody knows that there's Spanish football anymore since Sky lost the rights. Nobody sees any Spanish yeah. football anymore. Um, it's like Schrodinger's league, you know. <laughs> uh, so you got to watch the game anyway. That's good. I did get to watch the game, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I enjoyed it. It's been... I feel like every year people sort of try and kill off the FA Cup and there's an article about... Is there still magic in it? And, you know, is it worth persisting with? But this weekend, I mean, uh, leaving aside Arsenal's result, really delivered some some, yeah. some of the sort of classic upsets. It's, you know? the, it's the Christmas decorations are going up earlier and earlier of football articles, isn't it? Yeah. The yeah. FA Cup, it's not what it used to be. Remember, they play all the games at three o'clock and on cup final day, you get six hours of coverage and you get on the team bus and they'd have the cameras on the bus. And that was the good old days. And the, mm. and every every time the FA Cup starts up again, we get these articles. Um, but... No. I, I, Brussels wants to ruin the FA Cup. That's why we had to vote for Brexit. Yeah, but no, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 this weekend delivered though. I mean, some great stuff going on. And I thoroughly enjoyed our game. It was sort of nice to see a bit of a changed team, and they, yeah, they pretty much performed. I didn't thoroughly enjoy it. I, I would say I, I quite enjoyed it. Right. I mean, it was a surreal thoroughly. setting, wasn't yeah. it? 
It was, of course, because the lack of home fans, their continued boycott of the games because of their owner. Uh, and it was weird to see so many empty seats. And, you know, certainly that guy doesn't look like a dodgy character at all, does he? Uh, with his weird <laughs> fucking hats and... Anyway, let's it's not talk like about his nightmare Willy Wonka character. But yeah, I mean, it does seem they've got some justified uh, grievances mm. there. And, and I, I must say as well, obviously, it's not much to do with the players. And I did feel for those players having to play in that uh, stadium, which was more full with away fans than home fans. You know, yeah. it was it was quite a daunting occasion for them. And especially in the first 10 minutes or so, I thought you could really see that. Yeah, the pitch wasn't great either. You know, that had an effect too. It was quite bobbly. The ball was uh, hopping around all over the place. But, you know, Unai Emery did make some changes. Not a huge amount he could do at the back, although Lauren Koscielny pulled out with a back injury just before kickoff. Carl Jenkinson came into the side uh, Mm -hmm. to play. Um, He he did pretty well, I thought. We had Eddie Nketiah, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Alex Iwobi as a front three all from our academy, which was, I think, a really, uh, really cool thing to see, even if it didn't go quite as well for Eddie and Keddie as he would have liked. He must have gone home on Saturday night. However, they got back down, whether they flew down from Blackpool or whether they got the train, he must have been like, ah, oh, fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck. And, uh, in fact, I think you saw exactly that. Like I was watching in the first half and after the first couple of chances, which I think both came inside the first five minutes or so, mm. um, there was a shot of him like at a break in play. Like it wasn't like he had just had a shot at that moment, but he sort of looked to the sky and sort of visibly said, oh, fuck. And you knew in his <laughs> mind he was going over those moments because yeah. they were glorious chances. I think he took them both left-footed, which I kind of admire, you know, being willing and to take the, the, the chance on your weaker foot. Mm. He'll, he'll will, he will definitely rue those and, and be thinking, every time he, he gets on in the first team this season, he looks absolutely desperate to score. And yeah. you almost wonder if that's not helping him at this point. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's the pressure of it. And he could definitely have done with one of those going in. But what I did like is that he didn't let his head go down. I thought he played really well in the first half. He faded a bit in the second half. The, the team itself faded a bit in the second half. But mm. I like the way he held up the ball. I like the way he linked play. He came deep. He brought others into play. He won the free kick from which we opened the scoring. He also created the uh, assist for Joe Willock's second yeah. goal. He did have another chance late in the first half as well, getting onto the end of a, a long kick out by Petr Cech. This time, the keeper made a save. Again, one-on-one, you would say he probably should score, but I think the first two were were definitely the, the guilt-edge chances. You know, he will, as a young striker, have absolute nightmares about that, but he'll get more chances. And I, I did like the way, I admired the way that he didn't let his, his head go down. Uh, in typical style, of course, there are people writing him off completely, saying, you know, that's it, he's no good, he's finished, he's not good enough, etc., etc. But, you know, he um, he's 19 years of age, and he's played very little first-team football in his life, so you need to forgive him uh, a little bit here and there. You know, if this was the, the Yang to the, the Norwich Yin, I don't know which one is which. Which is better, Yin and Yang? I don't know, but you know what I mean? So when he came on in that Norwich game in the Carabao Cup last season and scored with his first touch and then scored the winner, this was like the opposite of that. He, he, he just couldn't make it work on the night, but I don't think he should feel too downhearted, really. No, and we always say of young defenders, you know, they're going to cost you points, they're going to make mistakes. 
uh, I thought I said young offenders for a minute there, young defenders, sorry. But young attackers, I guess they're going to make mistakes too. You know, they're going to miss chances. He, he needed a bit more composure. Uh, but I like you and I'm inclined to think that more chances will come his way. And what I'd like is that, as you say, he didn't let his head drop. He kept going. He worked for the team. And I think that's the kind of thing that Unai Emery will have appreciated. Uh, but, you know, the whole attacking part of the side was interesting. It was more experience at the back. The older players with more first-team appearances under their belt were uh, in the defence and then going forward more more kind of youthful expression. And Joe mm. Willock was sort of part of that attacking unit too. I mean, he was playing further up the pitch than Aaron Ramsey, it seemed to me anyway, yeah. as he has done for most of this season, really. When we saw him last year, he was one of the deeper guys generally, but this season he's really been more involved going forwards and he'll be absolutely delighted with his evening's work. Yeah, he will. And maybe he is one of those players who could come through a little bit... Um under the radar a bit because there's so much spotlight on Maitland-Niles, on Enkedia, on Reese Nelson, on yeah. Emile Smith-Rowe. But, you know, remember, this is a guy that Arsene Wenger gave plenty of minutes to last season. I know it was in the Europa League, but he was a year younger, a lot less mature physically. You can see that he's developed physically, he's maturing physically, filling out a bit as well. And that's his uh, second and third goals of the season that he scored. He's only one less than Mesut Ozil. So, you know, we know where to give the £350,000 a week. <laughs> Joke alert, folks, honestly. Um, but no, I think it's it's interesting. Sometimes a player can come out of the academy and because of the hype around them, they don't necessarily live up to expectations. But you get surprised from time to time by a player coming through. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case with Joe Willock, but I think there's something very interesting about him and the way that he plays. Uh, he's very composed. He's good in the final third. And, uh, you know, he could very well fit the bill in terms of what we might be looking for in a player in a year's time or maybe two years' time. Yeah, and I think when you look back over his appearances that he's made with the first team, I think he's actually managed to be quite consistent, which for a young player uh, is not easy. You know, it's not always been the case that he's been as eye-catching as he was against Blackpool and, you know, got those goals, but he's rarely dipped below kind of a, a standard six out of ten. He's never had a nightmare. Mm. He's never looked phased. He's always been, even at his worst, kind of pretty steady in there. And sometimes with a young player, that's a really encouraging sign because it's not easy to do that. And if they can have that platform where they can look comfortable and then they can start to embellish their performance on top, top of that, you know, bring what they've shown at youth level to their game, which he is now starting to do, then they're on the right trajectory. I really like him. I think he's got a little bit of physical power that enables him to get away from people in the midfield. I think he's intelligent in his use of the ball. And as he showed, he pops up in the right places in the box. So it was a really good night for him. And, uh, you know, his interviews after the game, everything he said about, you know, what he owes his debt to his parents and things like that. Mm. I thought that was all quite touching and quite sweet and showed a, a humble guy who's working hard and not letting his early success get to him. Yeah, I mean, maybe we saw just a reminder this weekend, maybe it's the magic of the FA Cup, James, that the, there are people, these are, these are players, and we talk mm. about them and we judge them and we analyse them, but at the end of the day, they're people. And I, I agree with you about Willock. I thought his little thing on Instagram, you know, uh, we talked about his mother, about, you know, this is for all the times you, you gave me food when, or went without food so I could have something to eat, which is, you know, um, an incredible thing on its own merits. 
yeah. then we have the reception for Carl Jenkinson, again, somebody who credited the fans afterwards because he got a great reception from the fans. Aaron Ramsey having his name sung by the away fans. You know, sometimes yeah. we need to step back and remember that even if these guys don't play to the level or put in the kind of performances that you want, doesn't mean they're not people, you know? And mm. I think it's nice that people are being nice for once because sometimes social media and Twitter and all the online discourse tends to revolve around the extremes one way or the other. And I thought it was quite good that, you know, we have we have these guys, they're Arsenal players, they're being well supported by Arsenal fans. And, you know, I'm not saying we should all sit around and, you know, uh, make daisy chains for each other and hold hands and do whatever, I don't know, whatever you like, nice things, you know, play songs and all that. I'm just saying that sometimes it is worth remembering. That's all. Yeah, and I do think that there was something... Uh, to warm the heart a little bit about the success of Arsenal's academy players in this game. Look, I, I know it's Blackpool, I know it's the third round of the FA Cup, but as you mentioned, that front three were all academy products. You're looking at uh, Willock behind them. I think that's really, really exciting. And, I, you know, you look at the clutch of players we have, and you mentioned Smith Rowe, who wasn't playing, of course. You mentioned Nelson. I look around the Premier League, and I don't necessarily see too many other teams with such an exciting young group of players mm. and I I do think that as fans at this point uh, for the club you know looking at where we are and where we want to be I actually think those academy players quite a lot rests on them I, I don't mean to pile pressure on them but I think given the spending restrictions that we face and things like that I think they are probably going to be part of the plans certainly in terms of filling out the squad moving forward and I, personally I find that quite exciting I like it it feels like a bit of a return to you know, 10 years ago, whatever it was, when there was that emphasis on youth development and we can invest in that. Yeah, I I guess there's something a little bit different about it in the sense that, you know, the youth development or the way we did the youth thing under Arsene Wenger was coincided with the stadium, right? So we knew money was going to be tight, so let's try and develop young players. Here we have a situation where as your fortunes fade a little bit, which I think it's fair to say ours have... Mm. it's slightly easier to give younger players a go in the team or to look to your academy to refresh things, you know? So you think about the players that came through under George Graham. You know, it was an end of an era with, you know, big-name players, Charlie Nicholas, Kenny Sansom, you know, some of these guys who were on the way out, Graham Ricks, people like that who were on the way out, and they were replaced by young academy players. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here, but that was uh, an Arsenal team that was being rebuilt. And we are, I think, in a kind of rebuilding process under Unai Emery. You know, this first season was always going to be one where he tried to achieve what the club want him to achieve, but at the same time, he's got to take stock and look around and see what kind of people he's got in his squad and who he wants to work with next season and who he doesn't and who he feels can make the step up because he does seem to be working quite closely with a lot of these youth players. Let's remember that Bukayo Saka came on as well. Zek Medley came on. Mm. You know, um, he is beginning to integrate some of these players. I know it's the FA Cup and I know we've done it in the Europa League and the Carabao Cup and, and he's not necessarily giving all of them their uh, their head in Premier League games and when the Europa League gets really intense, he's not going to play them there. But it is a way for him to see what these players can do and who might be 
able to step up and maybe not save the club money in the transfer market, but allow us to spend the money that we do have in positions where we really need to bring in players. I think it's really interesting. It's a really interesting time. I think there's a a few elements to it. And, you know, you mentioned the transfer market there. I think a lot of people are looking at the age profile of the current squad and thinking, you know, maybe when Mm. it comes to our transfer targets, we need to address that. But the most straightforward way to address that is obviously to promote the young players that we already have on our books. And they're certainly the cheapest way of doing that. It's also a different type of player who's coming through now to when we embarked on, say, the project youth idea when we first moved to the Emirates Stadium. You know, our strategy then was effectively a bit of a, a poaching game. You know, we were taking top players from Italy, from Spain, from Switzerland in their mid to late teens, bringing them over and then kind of putting them through the academy process. A lot of these players who are coming through now, they've been at Hale End since they were nine years old. You know, these yeah. are guys who I think we're seeing probably some of the dividends coming through from the work Arsene Wenger did in his time at Arsenal and the people who worked on the academy side in restructuring, in honing the academy to Mm. bring through players of the technical level to make it to the Arsenal first team so we don't have to go to the continent to bring guys with that kind of technique across. They are now coming from within and I think that, you know, that's Mm. a a real positive that we're seeing that bear fruit. Um, I think as well, sorry, I was just going to say that Unai Emery, looking at the kind of manager he is, it seems to me that something that's important to him is having players who are prepared to play his football and Mm. follow his instructions. And you do wonder if maybe it's easier to impose some of those ideas on, I don't know, an Ainsley Maitland-Niles than a Meza Ozil or an Aaron Ramsey. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. I get what you're saying. And I also think that maybe there's, if you want to be cynical about it, there's also a way of boosting the coffers by developing young players. And maybe they're not ever going to be a first-team player for you. But if you look at somebody like uh, the guy who went from Liverpool, Solanke, oh, who yeah, went from Solanke, Liverpool, he, yeah. was a, he was at Chelsea first, come to Liverpool, barely played at Liverpool, really. Uh, I think he scored maybe one or two goals for them. Mm-hmm. But he's gone to Bournemouth for £19 million. Same with uh, Origi. Divock Origi is apparently being linked with a move to Fulham for about £20 million. Again, having not played very much football for Liverpool, they're very good at selling players, and we're not so good at selling players. But if you can get enough traction behind a young player, if you can get him into the team, if he plays 20, 30 games for you and you decide, okay, he's not quite the guy, in the Premier League market for young English talent... People are prepared to pay for it. Mm. So if he's not quite good enough to take Arsenal to the, to the top four, he could easily be good enough for uh, a Bournemouth or a Brighton or somebody who's got enough money to spend because of the Premier League money. And it's a, it's a, the investment we make in them, in training them and developing them, can come back to us in financial terms, which we can then use to bring in higher quality players to help us achieve the things that we want to achieve. So it might sound like a cynical exercise, but it is the reality of Premier League football. And I hope that's an angle that we're not ignoring. I doubt it very much. I think that, you know, we we must be thinking in those strategic terms. I think, you know, you'd hope with the new joined up thinking at the club, with the, the new executive team, they're thinking about that. And each one of these uh, first team appearances potentially increases the value 
of these young assets mm. that we have. And, I, you know, I don't want to write them off and say, well, that's their fate, is that they'll be sold as, you know, fodder to improve our transfer funds. But, I mean, when you look at the money that you can get for someone like a Solanke, like uh, Jordan Ibe, I mean, even the yeah. guy at Chelsea, hudson Adoy, they're talking about... 20 million, 30 million pound offers from Bayern Munich. I mean, I know he's a, a special talent, but that's still an awful lot of money and shows shows what you can do if 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 you extract value from these players. I mean, we the lesson we have to learn, you know, one of several lessons we could probably learn from Liverpool is simply striking while the iron's hot, when their interest is there in these players, mm. when their value is at a premium, doing those deals and taking the cash. We just haven't been good enough at doing yeah, that in the past. True. And look, you know, the attrition rate is high for young players yeah. who, who who make it to the fringes of a first team and then that's kind of about as far as they get. Unless something remarkable happens, like we get our own class of 92 generation that comes through. But, you know, you look at Maitland-Niles, Smith-Rowe, Nketiah, Willock, uh, who else have we got in there? Saka, who's in there? Medley, Saka, who's in there? Nelson. Uh, Reese Nelson, Smith Rowe, yeah. you know, how many of those are realistically going to make it through? One or two? If one mm-hmm. or two come through out of that lot, that's a pretty good return for the academy. So you're looking then at, at moving on four or five, six of them as well. So it's a very interesting time. I know we've had periods where we say, oh, this is the best crop of youth we've seen for ages coming through at Arsenal. But it does feel like there's something to this particular generation of player. Uh, that's coming through, not least because Unai Emery is prepared to give them their chance. And look, to his credit, Arsene Wenger did that down the years as well. So uh, so there we go. Uh, yeah, so two goals for Willock. Um, one goal for Alex Iwobi, who's now got, what, two or three goals and a couple of assists in his last five games? Yeah, a he's guy in a decent run of form, isn't he? Finding it? some form, yeah. Uh, and, and funnily enough, I think he needed it because... He had a, uh, a little patch where his form wasn't quite so good and people were starting to round on him a bit. But I think he's he's showing his value and he is incredibly valuable to us at the moment just because when you look at the other players in those positions, we are missing Danny Welbeck, we're missing Henrik Mkhitaryan. So we're quite reliant on Iwobi. You know, it's mm. difficult to envisage a starting eleven without him at the moment. So fortunately, he seems to be... Staying fit and contributing, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, he's not, I don't think, I don't think his long-term future is going to be as a wide forward. Right. I think he will probably move more centrally. Um, But at the moment, I don't know who else we can play in those positions. You know, without Wikitarian, without even Ozil, who, you know, has often played from... The right-hand side without Welbeck, uh, you know Smith Rowe is a candidate, but uh, you know again he's he's out injured for a little while, so we are uh, uh, we are know, a bit light. And I guess that it, go on just before. Well, I was just going to say, looking back, uh, you know, we all had our reservations about Aubameyang on the wing, but in that run of games where he was playing there and like as it was mm. starting up front, we the results were generally pretty good. Uh, there were lots of wins in there, and yeah. we don't really necessarily have that option anymore because I, I don't th- I think Emery's cautious to play the two together too regularly so I think it won't be again becomes all the more important yeah um, I agree with you he's never going to be someone who is I, I, I don't think of him as a goal scorer um, I you know I never I struggle to see him ever getting you know 15 goals in a season mm. um, but I don't really regard him as a forward player either like even when he plays from that left hand side it's kind of like he plays it more to me anyway. Like, uh, 
I don't know, a Nasri or a Cazorla than an, than an Overmars, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a very long way away from what people might perceive as, the, you know, the, the traditional winger or the kind of winger that they might yeah. like to see us by um, at this moment in time, which leads me to the rumours involving Denis Suarez, the Barcelona... Mm. Can we call him an outcast? I don't know if we can call him an outcast, but a player that Unai Emery knows very well because he had him on loan at Sevilla. He played a season yeah. at Sevilla under Unai Emery. He played 46 times that season for Emery. I think he did quite well. I meant to just have this tab open here. So give me your quick thoughts uh, on him, uh, the links to him, um, while I look up these stats. Okay. Um, I, well, when I first saw it, I mean, I'll start by saying he's not a player I know enormously well. I have spoken to a couple of people this week who've seen more of him Mm. in Spain. And it's classic Arsenal, really. I mean, we're crying out for a centre-half, and we're looking at signing a a kind of tricky, creative player. Um, I mean, Emery clearly knows the player. He's been happy enough to talk about the deal in public, which makes you think there's definitely some substance to this rumour. It's definitely one of the possibilities Arsenal are pursuing. I suppose I am a little bit cautious on it, simply because he's not a player who has set the world alight in his career today. I think he's almost 25, and I know... Perhaps he's had limited opportunities at Barcelona. Um, he is and 25. Some, and some very good players don't was, get into their team. He, he was 25 yesterday. Ah, happy birthday, happy mate. Birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Um, and if I you're listening. My, my other slight concern about him is that Emery talked about him as a wide player, someone who can play on either wing. Mm. And when I look at the type of wide player that we have, we just talked about Iwobi, you'd factor Mkhitaryan into that as well. When I think about what I think we lack in wide areas, it is someone who is pacey and a goal scorer, really. Someone who, you know, would be that true kind of wide forward. And I'm not sure that that is a skill set that Suarez has. It feels like we'd be getting another kind of floaty interior you know, inside forward type mm. player like a Mikatarian, say. And while I, I accept that in terms of numbers at the moment that might be something we require, I, I don't necessarily see the need as plainly as I do for, you know, a sprinter killer on the flank. Sure. I mean, again, it's about identifying that player. Uh, his stats weren't that impressive, actually. I thought he'd scored more goals. He got six goals. I think the next season for Villarreal, he got five. He got three or four for Barcelona the season after that. So he's a sort of five-goal-a-season player, which is, yeah. which would make me dubious about signing him on a permanent basis. You know, I think if we were to do a loan deal for him, I, I could see a lot of sense in that. Mm. Because if he is coming in, Emery has obviously uh, decided he is someone who can contribute to the team based on what he has available to him in the squad. But I don't know that we should. Uh, again, we talk about funds being limited. Uh, we don't know quite how limited because the financial results haven't come out because uh, KSE have no obligation to publish them uh, yet the way they did previously, the way the club did previously when it was not owned 100% by one person. So we don't quite know how restricted, but all the analysis of our finances suggests that we're operating at a loss um, and that will affect our our transfer um, funds because we know that we're operating on this self-sustaining model, etc. So I don't know if you're talking about £18 million for a player who's going to get you five goals a season, six goals a season, 
I don't think so. Uh, I think it would be a bad time to spend that money. But if he can come in on loan... I think it's quite a lot of money to us. It is. I think it is quite a lot of money to us, yeah. uh, When I look at how much money we have and you talk about the financial results and the kind of signings we're making, once you get into that kind of 20 million bracket, Mm -hmm. I kind of think we need to be buying starters for that money. You know, people who are going to be in the first 11. I mean, look at... Torreira, uh, Leno, yeah. you know, those are players in that kind of category. And, and when I look at Suarez, I see someone who could help the squad, but I don't necessarily see someone who is, you know, definitively uh, better than a, a Mkhitaryan mm. or an Awobi even. So, uh, yeah, I, I struggle to be too excited about it. I think if it's a loan, like you say, that makes loads of sense, you yeah. know, do the deal, you get a body in, you get another option. I think he's eligible for the Europa League because Barcelona in the Champions League. Um, you know, you can have a look at him as well. Exactly. And maybe there, maybe there is an upside there. You know, he's 25. He's not had a lot of chances at Barcelona, so he's not played a huge amount of football recently. Maybe Emery has seen something in him that he thinks he's worth a gamble. Mm. And he, you know, he could increase in value. But I think at that kind of outlay, 20 million, that seems a lot for us to gamble at this point and you do wonder if that money might be better spent yeah. in the summer I, I sort of look at the players who come from Barcelona and come to the Premier League and they have flashes and you can see that there's talent and you can see why they've been at Barcelona but they all pretty much fade away don't they they do the De La Feo thing yeah you know yeah I think that's I'm fair a, to say I'm just a little bit iffy about it but I, I do think alone would make a lot of sense. If he if he pulls up trees and does brilliantly and we've got a fixed price to pay for him and we feel like it's a good deal in the summer, by all means, go for it. Um, do you think at this point in time that we are going to sign a central defender? Because I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'd love to, you know, for the sake of debate, say, oh, no, we definitely will. But the noises, you know, from Emery talking about Mavropanos being fit again and how that makes it difficult to sign a centre half, that makes me want uh, makes me wonder if we will. Um, we we talked about this last week, didn't we? About how if we have our eye on somebody that we want to bring in hundred percent in the summer, would it not make more sense to hang on? do what we can with the players that we've got, hope that Mavropanos, given that you know Sven has brought him in with his, with his diamond eye for talent, is actually a good player, inexperienced, unproven, of course, but a good player. Maybe one of those players, like you say, that can be moulded to do exactly what Unai Emery wants him to do. Then hang on till the summer and get what you can for Mustafi, Sell who else from... I mean, Callum Chambers, you would have to imagine, is somebody who, if he was considered dispensable this season, why would we not try and sell him in the summer? Use those funds and whatever little bit else we can find down the back of the sofa to sign a really, really good central defender rather than buy one now just because... Not not because... Not for the sake of it. We do need a defender... But do you not restrict yourself in the longer term if you splash out in January on a, on a player you don't really want? But is, what if it's the difference between making top four and not? I know. That's the risk. That is the gamble. you got to know yeah. when to hold them, James, and know when to <laughs> fold them. A wise man once said. Yeah. 
I think that when I look at the centre of our defence and the trouble that we've had, I think, you know, it, it could well be the difference between making top four or not if we can get someone in, if they're of the requisite quality. Yeah. You know, if we signed... If we went ahead and did, you know, the Gary Cahill deal or some of the other things that have been mooted, I'm not sure that makes any difference. I'm not sure that, you know, that's just a body as far mm. as I'm concerned. But if there is someone who is actually a tier above what we currently have, then I think we have to try and do it. Mm. If that is impossible, then I suppose we have to make do and mend. But I'm not, you know, it feels like there's a lot of pressure on Mavropanos <laughs> yeah, to yeah, be yeah. something no, I, I, quite spectacular. I, I agree. I agree. I think the expectation levels on that guy are are way too high based on a very, very small sample size of what we've seen from him so far, which was two essentially nothing games at the end of last season and one in which he got sent off after 15 minutes because he made a, you know the sort of foul that a 19-year-old defender is prone to make. So there is yeah. a lot of pressure. And look, don't get me wrong, I would like us to go out and buy a central defender in January who will improve us. Absolutely, I would. I, I Like you, I think it could well be the difference between staying competitive for the top four anyway and not. But the January market, who's out there, who's available, I don't know. I've not really seen a name that makes me think... And obviously, you know, you don't know everything. You don't know every player out there. And, but I've not seen a name that makes me think, mm. well, there we go. That's the deal. We must do it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel hugely promising, but it's early. It's early in the window and things can uh, things can change. But it does, it is interesting, isn't it? How we, a few weeks ago, there was so much emphasis on it's going to be a centre-half. We desperately need to do a centre-half. And the one that looks closest to getting over the line is, is an attacking player now. It's a bit arson, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Emery, why are you arsing around? Nice. Yes. Nice. I, it, it is a bit arson. It's a bit reminiscent of, was it 2009, Andre Chavin? Ten mm. years ago. Ten years ago. Holy he shit. He arrived when we were crying out for a defender. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, if, I had to put, if I had to put money on it, I'd say the Suarez thing will happen. I think there's sort of enough noise around it that it feels kind of... Like it will get over the line. He was left out of the Barcelona squad at the weekend. Although the way it's been going for him, that's not a huge. Uh, was he? Wasn't in the squad at all. No, there's some talk that if he plays another game, um, I think Barcelona may have to pay Manchester City some money because, of course, he was at City prior to Barcelona. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they might be holding off on paying that on the hope that they can get shot of him. Get shot. Get rid. They probably want to sell as well. So. Um, they probably would like to, but that would involve us giving them more money, money and yeah. we'll, we'll resist that, yeah. I should think. Don't have any. Sorry, guys. Haven't got any on, money. On that subject, by yeah. the way, one player who did play against Blackpool was Aaron Ramsey, and I'm not mm. sure I've spoken to you since the whole Juventus thing felt quite as sure a deal as it does now. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any chance that he we'll move on in January and that we'll get some money on that? Or do you think it's a done deal that he goes on a free? Uh, done deal that he goes on a free, I would say. Uh, but I do have a question about Aaron Ramsey, I think, oh, okay. in the second part of the show. So maybe we should hold off on that. Anything else from FA Cup weekend or anything else from the game that you want to touch on before we go? Uh, just as, Again, just sort of tip uh, cap to some of the, the good sh- uh, shocks out there. I mean, Barnett got a great result. Mm. Uh, Leicester lost, didn't they? Which was... Good to see. I mean, unfortunately, all the big, big teams, the ones that you sort of think, oh, they might win it, they all went through. Um, yeah. 
Well, we're one of those. We are one of those, and it's the fourth round draw tonight. We're speaking just in advance of that. Yeah. Uh, Someone rubbish would be good, wouldn't it? That'd be nice. Yeah. I'd love someone rubbish. What about um, who who be Leicester? Newport? I think it was Newport, yeah. Yeah. I'd... I'd take that. Let's have Newport at, 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 at home. the Emirates, please. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Newport at home. That means we can play some more kids, and there is a, an excitement about seeing some of the uh, some of the younger players and save some of the more difficult games for later on in this competition because uh, we've uh, we've got plenty on our plate uh, mm-hmm. between this, the Premier League, and the Europa League. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll be back with your questions and more in part two right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter, at Gunnerblog, at Arsblog. Also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the arse blog. Uh, given that we were talking about transfers, mm-hmm. uh, and we might as well stick with the realms of fantasy for another few minutes, YJ, who is at Esplain FC, <laughs> right. uh, you must Esplain, um, he said, would you take Carrasco at Arsenal? I actually would. Um, although I, I didn't really know that he was playing in China. Uh, he, Didn't they do that weird deal like last season, just before we played them or something, or not? Maybe earlier in the season they sent they sold two of them, didn't they? Nicola Gaitan went yeah. as well. Um, I mean, I've just googled Carrasco explained the reasons behind his move to China. Um, he said the Chinese Championship is booming. The working conditions are excellent. Mm. Presumably, he doesn't mean in the factories. And the new infrastructures are modern and they are available for both players and fans. Since I was a young boy, I have been a huge fan of Chinese Super League side Dalian Yifang, the old, the old Robbie Keane tactic. <laughs> now, I, I, uh, that, I suppose, is a, uh, a curiosity in his career. But I remember him playing against us for Monaco. I think he scored one of the goals in that mm. ill-fated home tie. Um, where Olivier Giroud missed a, a million chances. Uh, and he, when I talk about the kind of wide player we might be lacking, he does fit the bill a little bit more in that he is quick, he can score a goal, he's a decent finisher, um, he makes runs in behind. 
the big fly in the ointment is... He's Belgian. Uh, is that what you're saying? He's Belgian. Yeah. You've had enough of Belgians. <laughs> I'm sick of Belgian. No, apparently he's earning about 200 grand a week in China. Um, oh. However, I sort of think, well, if you want to come back to Europe, you've got to make a sacrifice. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, maybe. I'm not sure many players will take a pay cut, though. Their agents won't let them for a start, but... Mikel Arteta did. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Good professional Mikel Arteta. Done over Yuck. by Dick Law on the way down from Liverpool to, to London. By the way, you know we said we wanted to sign you. Here, take a pay cut on the way down. Oh, no. What a fucking bunch we are. No, but um, didn't he have a really good season? Not last season, but the season before for Atletico Madrid. He scored maybe close to 20 goals there or thereabouts. Mm. Um, I could be over-egging the pudding there a little bit. But yeah, certainly he's uh, he's an exciting kind of player on his day. So... I'd prefer him to 25. Dennis Suarez, I think. Yeah, I think he's more the type that we need. And he's still only 25. Uh, yes, he's out in China, but, you know, it's a little bit reminiscent of a kind of Arsene Wenger-style signing of a mm. player whose career's gone a bit awry and, you know, not uh, not quite where he was planning to yeah. be at this point. My, my, my worry is that we don't have the the infrastructure that he craves Sure. You know, maybe we're just a bit short on the old infrastructure side of things and uh, yeah. it just wouldn't work out. He'd come, he'd say, yeah, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. These facilities yeah. and this Is this championship booming? Yeah. That's the, that's the question. It doesn't feel like it's booming to me. I feel like I've been sold a pup here. I'm just well, going to go through the motions. When he went to China, he also said, beyond football, which remains my priority, this country also offers me the opportunity to develop personally and also on professional projects that are important to me. So like, he really means like his Instagram account or something like that. I don't know. Like but, what? What, what no could idea. he be talking about? Uh, he's, he's training as a Belgian language teacher in China. I don't know. BFL, uh, yeah, Belgian as a foreign language. He... There's no such language as Belgian, is there? There isn't. No. Flemish. No. Flemish yes. and French, I think, they speak as well. Mm. But, uh, yes. So, I, But nevertheless, despite all this, if you said to me, would you like Dennis Suarez or Yannick Carrasco, I would choose Yannick Carrasco. Yeah, I think me too. Me too. Mm. I just not, but, I'm just not big on the Dennis Suarez thing. It's a shame because he's called Dennis yeah, I no, mean, I get it, I get it. But it's Dennis, we're one... We're one... You can't even spell Dennis right. Yeah, exactly. I'm we're going to get in trouble for this. I just want to point that out. People why? are going to say... There's loads what? of Dennises with one N. Yeah. No, we're gonna, they're going to say, why are you not being positive about the potential new signing? That's what they're going to say. I thought we are. I thought we were quite positive about a guy who appears to be a fairly average player that we would be happy to take on loan. Is that not positive? I suppose. I don't think it's what people want to hear. <laughs> they, they want to hear that, you know, he's he's the misunderstood Messi. Um, but that's, that's you and me both right there. I think that... Well, the thing about Denis Suarez is he he reeks of the Europa League. He just feels like the most Europa League player. You know, Villarreal, Sevilla. But we are a Europa League club. We are indeed a Europa League club. You have to cut your cloth accordingly. Is that not how it works? Yeah, yeah, and that's why a loan deal again makes sense because if we can somehow claw our way back into the Champions League, then I think we might be looking a tier above that in terms of who we mm. can bring in. Yeah. This is a, um, a transfer question while we're on the subject from Noel, who's at the underscore area man on Twitter, 
And he says, do you think the club slept on Nathaniel Klein? I thought he could be a very good backup for Hector and most certainly an upgrade over Licksteiner went fit and he was available on loan but went to Bournemouth. Thoughts? Yeah, he went to Bournemouth. Did you not see Neil Warnock went crazy about Yeah, that was actually really funny. I mean, he was furious. He was absolutely going mad because he thought he got a deal to bring Nathaniel Klein to... Uh, Cardiff. to Cardiff and then all of a sudden it went silent and then he ends up at, at Bournemouth. Um, mm. Presumably you know, that has something to do with the £19 million they gave them for Dominic Solanke. You would have to imagine that the two things are somewhat linked, yes. Yes. Uh, but you could also imagine why a player might want to go and play for Bournemouth rather than Cardiff. Yeah. With all due sure. respect to Cardiff and, you know, Neil Warnock... They they look like they're they're going down, whereas Bournemouth are pretty much established as a, a Premier League side now. Look, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, at this moment in time, if you were to offer anybody the choice between Lichtsteiner at right back and, I don't know, random bloke off the street, there'd sure. be a sizable portion of people who would go for random bloke off the street. I'm just going to just search my mentions here. Yeah, loads of questions. G-Man Sizzle, what has Carl Jenkinson got to do to get a game ahead of Old Man Lichsteiner? Uh, Space Ludes, is Jenkinson so much worse than Lichsteiner that he can't get in the squad? Uh, Bill Lang, with with Lichsteiner looming like a 90-year-old turtle, that's... (laughs) Dude, that's not that old for a turtle, is no, it? No, they can live to like 7,000 years old, some of these turtles. Older than the Earth itself. Um, and I, do, turtles don't loom, do they? I mean, you have to be tall to no. loom. Where are you? How small are you that a turtle is looming? Wow. Maybe Bill Unless is just a Unless it's a Teenage really... Ninja Turtle. Yeah, well, of course. Of course. Um... Uh, I was I, last year. I was no year before. I was in New York, and this girl. Uh, we were at Central Park. We were walking around the pond in Central Park, and then we were just walking around. And there was a guy with his uh, little girl, and they've got turtles in Central Park in the in the mm. pond. And she said to her dad, "What do they eat, Dad?" And he went, "Pizza," which I thought was fucking brilliant. <laughs> but anyway, Bill and his ninety-year-old looming turtle. He says, "Is it time to give Jenkinson a look in as the backup right back?" Nathaniel Klein, you know, um, he was going to go to Cardiff. He's gone to Bournemouth. You could see how he could do a job for us in these particular set of circumstances. But again, I think the deal was linked with the Solanke thing, wasn't it? So, And would Liverpool have been as willing to loan him to Arsenal? No, I don't, maybe I don't not. Necessarily, no. Maybe not. Uh, I think he's a decent player, actually. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a bit surprised Liverpool... Sort of lost his way a little bit, hasn't he? Yes, yes. But when they signed him, I mean, he was outstanding for Southampton and he was initially very good in his first season at Liverpool. But, uh, yeah, I don't think they would have given him to us, basically. So, uh, I, as as frustrated as I am by Licksteiner's form, I mean, he was not good against Blackpool, particularly in that first half. We, we haven't really touched on that, but... Let's, let's not bring it down. Let's okay. not bring it down. <laughs> After the whole day as far as exactly, yeah, let's exactly. Keep it positive. Keep it positive. But on that, you know, what do you think of the idea of using Carl Jenkinson? Ma- oh, I thought you meant a man <laughs> off the street instead of Lickstein. <laughs> Lickstein makes me miss Mustafi. I mean, that's that's sort of where we are. Um, uh, Carl Jenkinson. There's a curious thing, isn't there? Where like you're right on the one hand to point out the kind of human element and how sort of lovely it is that he's an Arsenal fan and he's playing for them. But I think there's a degree 
to which he is also a little bit patronised by some of that attitude as well. Uh, you know, he, he is still a professional footballer, uh, and he's one who's done all right for us this season when he's mm. been asked to. I mean, a fairly limited sample, but he's he's been okay. Uh, I, what do I think? I certainly think he'd probably be a better wing back than Lichtsteiner. Yes, maybe so. Yeah, he can uh, cross like, the ball, which is good. He can. He did for the second goal, wasn't it? For Willem, mm-hmm. a decent Jenkinson cross. Uh, he's a really good crosser of the ball. He's got lots of energy, lots of pace. Um, so I. I wouldn't necessarily be putting him at centre-half in a Premier League game, which is what we've asked Lichsteiner to do yeah. quite a lot this season. And as poor as he has been, Lichsteiner, I do think you have to remember he is effectively playing out of position. Um, and it's not pretty, On the pitch. but he is, he is doing that job, you know. Mm. He's trying to learn new tricks, and he's a very, very old dog. An old tortoise. <laughs> it's an old, old turtle. A ninety-year-old turtle looming, looming over things. Look, there's no doubting that this is a hugely experienced player who's won an awful lot in his career, um, and he is coming in and doing his best. Mm. So I'll, I'm going to leave it at that. Would you start Jenkinson over him? Depends on the opposition. Would depend yeah. on the opposition. It does, doesn't it? It mm. really does. Like the Jenkinson's good games this season have been against poor teams. You would have to say. Mm. Um, mm. Speaking of old people, yes, <laughs> Matthias Nyman, who's at Newman eighty nine M. Hello, Newman. He says, "Which of our aging veterans would you keep longer than this season? Kishelny, Czech, Nacho, and Licksteiner." Hmm, Koscielny, Czech, Lennon. What is it? Sorry, I've already forgotten the names. Koscielny, Czech. Nacho, Monreal. Yeah. Nacho Monreal. You know him, Spanish guy. I remember, Senna, the, we bought, I remember we bought the guy. Him from Malaga, yeah? Well, that guy. Yeah, I remember. Him. Him. He can kick an orange into a fucking fridge door, mate. Yeah, That's how good he is. Mate. I remember him. You know that guy. Him or Lichsteiner? Well, I wouldn't keep Lichsteiner. Neither would I. That? No. Um... I'd be tempted by Czech. The thing that would count against Czech is the size of his salary. Uh, you know, he's probably on a decent wage as a first-team player, one of the five captains, etc., etc., signing from Chelsea, still on that contract. Mm. If you wanted to give him a new deal, given his status in the squad now, would it be on reduced terms? You might I, I think guess I so. could... I guess so, because if he th- went somewhere else, it would be to a slightly a lower club or it might be a club in a different league, you know, it might be somewhere abroad where the money wouldn't be as good anyway. So there is room to negotiate him down. If you could do a decent deal, especially given that if, if he goes, you've got to buy a keeper anyway, I would be inclined to keep check. What do you think about check? I think I would keep him as well. Um, I think he's a good guy. To have He's a great around. mentor for Leno, you know. Yeah, I think that I think Leno could learn quite a lot from Czech. Now, I know we've got a new goalkeeping coach and everything else, but I do think it might be useful. You know, we're looking at maybe losing Emmy Martinez in the summer as well, mm. which. I suspect for his own sake, he's got to go. You know, he's he's 26 years of age and he hasn't played 50 first-team games of football. 
Leno is exactly the same age. He's played nearly 400. So, you know, that shows you or tells you something about Emmy Martinez. Um, so we're going to need to buy either a number two or promote a number two. And I think while we might have a couple of young goalkeepers, they might need another year or so. Matt Macy's playing quite a lot at Plymouth this season. He's played 28, nearly 30 games right. for Plymouth. So maybe there's something there. But whether Macy will be ready to be the number two or not, we'd have to wait and see. Um, I think Matt Macy's older than I think he is as well. I think he is. I think he is. He came into the club relatively late. I think he was 20 when he came. He's 24, he was 24. You know. Wow. So maybe he is at an age where he can come and make the breakthrough. Um, maybe not to the first team, but certainly to be the deputy. Um, but I think... Out it's still of a the, big leap, isn't it? Yeah. Plymouth, League One. Yeah, but, you know, at least it's 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 not as big a leap from Plymouth to the first team than from the training ground. From the under-23s. To the yeah. first team, without playing any regular first-team football. You know, he'll learn a lot playing at that level. Playing with and against, you know, some grizzled veterans and all that kind of stuff. So I think he'll do... It'll do him quite a, quite a bit of good... Um, I'm just looking at Matt Macy here, and he absolutely reminds me of somebody from a TV show. And I can't for the life of me remember who it is. He's a huge guy. He is huge. Um, it's not, but it's his face. I'm trying to figure out. Oh, there was this. Ah, oh, it's this show. It's set in the future. It turned out to be a bit shit. He was like, um, God, he was like a bounty hunter kind of a guy. Okay. And he had a like a Hispanic cop lady assistant. Okay. Fuck. I have no idea what that is. Was it almost I, human? Uh hang on. Almost human. Let me have a look at this. In the not so distant future, a human cop and an android partner? No, 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 no. No. Okay. Um It was on Netflix. Mm. I'm going to have to find this out. How okay. do I find it out? Um, what are we... Netflix, sci-fi... Netflix, sci-fi... They'll be screaming shows. the answer at home. They will. They'll be listening. They'll be scree- Everyone will be saying, why is that man screaming altered, on the tube? Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon. That's a weird name for it, a show. Yeah, but it's all about your carbon being altered. Altered. Changed yeah, okay, in some ways. So... The lead actor in it is a guy called um, Matt Macy. Oh my God! No, <laughs> Joel, Joel Joel Kinnaman. Kinnaman. Look at him. He's okay, not without the facial hair, but he looks exactly like Matt Macy. Look at he this. He does look a bit like Matt Macy, actually. I'm going to play to you. Yeah. He's a 39 year old Swede, Joel Kinnaman. Well, there you go. His doppelganger go. is a 24-year-old arse. Well, this is a bit of a sidetrack. I apologise to people listening to this. No, uh, it's fine. That was fine. a sidetrack. I go um, on holiday. But I would know. keep check and I wouldn't keep any of the others. Oh, maybe Monreal. Maybe. He's the one I'm torn on. He is the one because he's so useful. You know, he can play left-back well. He can play centre-half well. I know he's had some poor performances this season. There have been question marks over, you know, if he's maybe kind of on the cusp of not being up to it. Mm. I mean, 
you think Arsene Wenger, Arsene Wenger would have got rid of him, wouldn't he? I mean, you'd look at him and say he's, he's a player over 30, he's on the way out. But I really like Monreal, so I might mm. be tempted to keep him around. It depends what happens with the other centre-halves as well. And what happens with left-back as well this summer, whether we're bringing but, uh, somebody you else You have in. to sign a left-back. Yeah. Do we have to? If you if you're if you're not selling Kalasinac and you're keeping Monreal, how do you have to sign a left back? Where do you put because him? Because I think where do you put him? We don't have I enough think, space in our player buckets. Well, I think Monreal you use as a centre half, and when you play a back three, you use him as that left sided centre half basically. Because oh. I think as he gets older, oh. his impact as a kind of attacking fullback and mm. wing back is is going to diminish. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But uh, you know. It still feels a bit too makeshift for me, you know, when I think about what I would like the Arsenal back four to be next season, you know, or the defence, whether it's a back three or a back four, mm. um, which isn't to write off Nacho or anything like it, but yeah, we'll see. Okay. Is so, a, here's a question from uh, oh, John O'Connor. Yeah. Who's at John F. O'Connor 44. And John says, am I crazy? Yeah. He wants your diagnosis mm-hmm. in thinking that Maitland-Niles should be one of the first five names on the Arsenal team sheet right now. He's playing with much more expression since scoring against Liverpool. I don't think crazy is right. Good news, John. You're not crazy. Maybe just a little bonkers. <laughs> a touch. <laughs> no, I. You know, I don't think it's crazy, but I do think we have to keep things in perspective. I thought he was really good against Blackpool. Uh, And it's interesting that he was really good in the final third. You know, he was playing as part of that front three, which I think is interesting because he played for Ipswich there, didn't he? That's where he played a lot of football when he went out on loan under Mick McCarthy, who was really, really impressed with him. Um, His versatility is useful. You know, he's been a little bit hit and miss when played at fullback or wingback this season. But... He is kind of still in the very early part of his season, isn't he? Because he got that injury on the opening day and he was out and then he's made his way back to fitness and what's he played? Seven or eight games now? Mm. Maybe a bit more than that. Um, God, if I'm going to look up some fucking asshole who looks like one of our goalkeepers... No, I don't mean you're an asshole. That actor, I'm sorry. I was just a, just a figure of speech, just in case he's listening. I know we've got a lot of Swedish listeners and he could be one of them or, you know, one of his mates. Uh, he's made 12 appearances. That's so. If I was going to look up that, I should look up how many times Ainsley Maitland-Niles has played. 12 sure. appearances. He's played pretty well in some of them, not so great in some... And not so great that you could say he's got to be one of the first five names on the team sheet. Like ahead of, like if if everyone's fit, you know, how could he be ahead of Torreira or Aubameyang or uh, Lacazette or Bellerin or Leno or if everyone's fully fit, Socrates, you know. There's a lot of players who you would have to pick ahead of him, which doesn't mean he can't contribute and make a big... Uh, impact. I think the game against Blackpool was a good showcase for him and hopefully it's a confidence boost for him as well because he's got a lot of talent and seems to be able to apply it in various areas of the pitch as well, which is useful. Mm. Um, and I like I like Maitland-Niles and I do rate his chances of becoming a first-team player with us on a more regular basis, but it's still too early for me to say that he should be one of the first names on the team sheet. 
what do you make of you know you mentioned him playing on the wing it's you know and we talk about not having wide players with speed who can carry the ball and dribble past people i mean he can sort of do that um but he's regarded or has been regarded until this point as more of a central midfield player do you think he's got a chance of making a real impact on the wing or do you think he's just sort of filling in there while Mkhitaryan's absent I don't know I I guess it really depends on what Emery sees in him you know Wenger said he was going to be a central midfield player a DM but then he Mm. said the exact same thing about Callum Chambers and he said it time after time about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain you know so I think Wenger's default was like play a guy out in the wide positions for a little while then stick him in the middle and then you can just replenish, you know, who do you play out in the wide positions? Another young kid, eventually he'll move into the middle. So it really mm-hmm. depends. We don't know yet what Emery thinks are his best qualities. He, You know, you could see how he's got a lot to offer in the front three. He's quick, he's strong, he's got good uh, good delivery. You know, he, he created the two Enkedia chances against Blackpool. Um, almost went through himself to score. So... Again, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, we, we have to wait and see what, what Emery thinks. Um, maybe in the absence of Mkhitaryan and, and players who can play in that front three, he could be seen as an option. So, Well, I mean, in fairness to Emery, he, he did play Maitland-Niles there, I think in the first time he used him this season, was it in the... the well, Canada no, first game, first game he played was, oh. yeah, was at left-back, wasn't it, against Man City? Yeah. So, yeah. But the, the, when he came back after mm. that, or well, his next game after that was on the wing, and it was slightly surprising. You know, people thought he might be full fullback or centre midfield. Mm. It was one of those classic Emery 11s where you can't figure out where everyone's playing. Yeah, you know, I love how Arsenal.com uh, their Twitter feed they've stopped putting the players in a formation because nobody knows, including some <laughs> of the players sometimes, like Alex Wobie, what it is going to be anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. That's very true. Okay, here is a question from Mark Blundell at Mark Blundell. Who uh, on Twitter, he says, how will people judge the next couple of signings? Can we blame Emery if they don't work out? Or are we still playing the tune of it's not him making the signings? At some point, surely there has to be a meeting between the people in charge or what? Or what? I think we can look at the signings in this January window as certainly more Emery signings than the ones from last summer. And actually that is present in Emery's language when he's talking about the transfers. You know, when he was asked about... Kaylor Navas, say, or, or Gary Cahill, mm. he said, we didn't speak about those players, you know. Yeah. So he's making it clear conversations have taken place. And the way that he's been prepared to be forthcoming on Suarez uh, suggests that, you know, that's my doorbell, but don't worry about it. Um, the, the fact that he's been able to be forthcoming on Suarez suggests that he is involved in those negotiations, that yeah. he is part of that process. So I think... We have given him, not a pass on the summer, but I think we've said, look, those deals were probably in motion before uh, before Emery was even really had his feet under the desk. Three of them were done before we'd even made the appointment. Licksteiner, Leno and Socrates were all basically done deals, regardless of who was going to be the manager. And we can debate and we can wonder or argue about how much uh, influence he had over Torreira and Genduzzi. So, uh, yeah, anything from now on, though, you would imagine has got to have his his serious input. Uh, like, if he's going to Sven and Raul and say, I need a wide player, who who are the options? Who can we get? Who's out there? Who have the scouts been told is available? Right, well, I'll have that guy. This is my preference, one, two, three. 
same with a central defender if there's one out there. So it's up to the the people who do the deals to to bring the players in. But you definitely can take it 100% that Emery will have had some input into who the players we're targeting are. Yeah, as much as any new head coach under this regime is going to have. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Which, yeah. So it's not 100% his initiative, but he's been part of that process, certainly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, would be judged to an extent on, on their mm. success. Um, I, I've got a question it? here on Aaron, Aaron oh, on. Ramsey. Can I do this one? Oh, yeah, we mentioned that. Uh, Michael on. Carroll, who's at Arsenal Mike 3. With the news this week that Ramsey is on his way to Juventus, what do you make of his Arsenal career, favourite moments, etc.? Like, is Aaron Ramsey going to be remembered as an Arsenal legend? I Given that the word legend is bandied around far too easily these days. I think he absolutely will. I am absolutely convinced of it that maybe not immediately, mm. you know, when he goes to Juventus, I don't think, you know, too many tears will be shared. And I don't think that while he's still playing, he'll have necessarily have that reputation. But I think if you return to the club in, I don't know, 10 years time, 15 years time, 20 years time, when you see the esteem that certain players from, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago are held in, I really believe that he will be, very fondly remembered mm. at Arsenal. And I think whatever happens with Juventus, given the length of service that he's given to the club, you know, over a decade, I think he'll always be, and, and the fact that it's likely probably to be his only Premier League club, it looks, well, you never know what the future may bring, but it looks that way at the moment. I think he'll always be associated with Arsenal. I think he'll always be regarded as an Arsenal player. You know? Yeah, I think you know anyone who scores two FA Cup final winners deserves to be remembered as a legend. Exactly. Look at Alan Sunderland, for example. Yeah. I couldn't tell you anything about Alan Sunderland, the player. He might have been crap. I don't even remember. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't yeah. alive. I don't know. But those are iconic moments. And I do think that Ramsey's FA Cup winning goals, particularly the one... Uh, well, to be honest, both were pretty special. One ended a nine-year trophy drought. Uh, one ended Chelsea... One ended Chelsea. I mean, I was going to say that's the one that I certainly will remember, I think, the most fondly. Mm. Uh, but, you know, those will be replayed on Arsenal compilations in 20, 30, 40 years' time. I mean, Aaron Ramsey will be reminded of those goals in his retirement mm. on a constant basis. I think sometimes we... Maybe it's because of the Invincibles and the extraordinary things they achieve. We put people on... Uh, we're comparing people with, like, Dennis Burkamp, Thierry Henry, Ian Wright. But, you know, Ian Wright and Thierry Henry are number one and two goal scorers in Arsenal history. You're not going to have many legends of that calibre. But I think the way in which other players get taken to heart... Uh, yeah. Aaron Ramsey definitely deserves to be in that company. And, well, um, he is the highest, he highest scoring central midfield player in Arsenal's history. Yeah. Central midfield player, that distinction. You know, I, I I think in some ways, for me personally, as somebody who really likes Aaron Ramsey as a player, and people give me a hard time about this, on, particularly on Arsblog News, when I'm maybe a bit generous to him in the player ratings. Uh, but, <laughs> but I think in some ways his career has been a bit disappointing for me because he is, I think he's such a good player that the injury absences and his inability to absolutely 100% nail down a position and a role in the team mm. 
under two managers now, I think is just a little bit disappointing. I think it's a shame. I don't know why exactly it's happened. Some people will say it's Ramsey being too greedy, always wanting to get in the box and being ill-disciplined. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe he was allowed that freedom as well um, because Arsene Wenger knew he had that goal threat in him. But when you look at the... You know, for me, that's a disappointment. And I think it's a real disappointment as well that he's leaving on a free. I think that's, you know, we don't need to go over the where's and why's of why that's bad business. But I think in time he will be remembered as a legend, somebody who scored brilliant goals for us, somebody who scored two winners in an FA Cup final, uh, was a super professional as well during all this time, during this season when he's been left on the bench, during games where... Ordinarily, he should be starting because of the quality of some of the players that we've got in the team. I think he's been really, really professional. I think it's admirable the way he's behaved. He hasn't kicked up. He hasn't made a fuss uh, or anything like it. And I think he will be remembered very fondly um, by people who um, appreciate a good footballer who's done good things for Arsenal Football Club. I think he's been really pro as well and I think Emery whatever decision Emery uh, might have made about Ramsey's future and I think he really respects Ramsey and the commitment that he shows on the pitch and I think when he talks about how professional the team were at Blackpool that must have been in his mind because Mm. you know Ramsey was playing as a deeper midfielder behind Joe Willock you know he, he was doing a very mature job and being one of the leaders of that team and I uh, I think you can't question his character. I mean, we should have known enough about his character given the way he came back from that broken leg. Yeah. You know, the tenacity he showed, the the, the sheer effort that he has brought to his time at Arsenal. Um, I think he absolutely will be remembered as a legend. And I think actually, funnily enough, I know him leaving on a free is kind of painful, uh, but I think it will aid his case because when you look at other Arsenal players who've left with a fee attached you think of Thierry Henry says Fabregas mm. Van Persie Alexis oh, sorry not Alexis Sanchez crucially um, but that transfer has uh, cast a bit of a shadow mm. over their reputation with the club you know there's always been a bit of toing and froing there's been you know disappointment about maybe the way they've conducted themselves Whereas I think Ramsey, because it feels almost like a sort of conscious uncoupling, to borrow the phrase from <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, I, I think that will sort of help there not be long-lasting wounds between uh, him and the fans. That's a and fair point, yeah. I, I also think, just to add to this really, that as much as I think Ramsey has been a really good player for Arsenal, even if the team never felt like his team in the way it did for Cesc Fabregas, perhaps with that exception of the 2013-14 season when he was absolutely outstanding when he was fit. Mm. Um, I I am frustrated about what's happening from a financial point of view, from a kind of an economic point of view with my business head on. But I am not... I'm trying not to let sentiment about Ramsey cloud my judgment. And I do think that there is the possibility that a sensible business decision has been made here that the club sat down and looked at what it would cost to pay Ramsey and looked at what we're paying in other areas of salary and thought this is not the most cost-effective way to improve this team Mm. Uh, 
And I, I do, th- I do think those things aren't mutually exclusive. That Ramsey can be a fantastic player and someone who's contributed enormously to Arsenal over the past ten years. Yeah, but it can still be the right thing to go our separate ways and move on. We should have done it last summer and made forty million quid or whatever it might have been. That is goes without question. But maybe it would have been to a club where his status as a legend might take a bit of a hit. That's true. You know? That's true, and that, that's only a sort of sentimental thing. That shouldn't really yeah. matter, but I suppose no, I it might have been to a club where he would be in direct competition with us, mm. which he's not going to be at Juventus. Assuming so, that's where he's going, yeah, yeah. Assuming that's where it's going, and it does look that way. And also with Ramsey, I think we always had an inclination he'd want to play abroad. He never really hid that fact, um, and it's a it's a, a great opportunity. Yeah, uh, I, I am really frustrated. We haven't made money out of it, but I don't begrudge him his move. And uh, if I'm honest, I still think he probably would have liked to stay. Mm. But yeah, who knows? maybe so. Maybe so. On the right terms, obviously. Yep, yep, yep. Have you got one more or will I do the I final th- one? Uh, you do the final one because I mind if we've sort of covered it in other conversations. Okay, Alistair Wood, who's at Alley Boy 19... 19- no, Ali Boy 82 says, following the protests of Blackpool fans on Saturday within the law, what is the most humorous way you would protest the Cronkies' ownership? You saw the guy who sat on top of the Arsenal coach. Yeah. That's like, am I right in thinking what they had to do was get another coach and they yeah. all just got off one coach and onto the other? Yeah. That's great. That's Presumably pretty- the distance was too was too great for him to leap across from Yeah, one I'd say when they were putting the players on, they didn't just park them side by side. Right, So you could okay. hop between... <laughs> which coach are you on? Which coach? That would have been great. If they were, the players were just rushing from coach to coach, he's just straddled with a leg on each. They start to drive apart. Oh, no. Um, how would I protest Cronky? Uh, I've always wanted to do a zip line from the top of the Emirates to the pitch. Right. Maybe at kickoff. Just come down, drop kick the referee. I mean, I don't know what that does against Cronky, but it would be cool. You're thinking about Mike Dean right now, aren't you? I am. So is and everybody I, listening? Behind me, I'm wearing a cape that has like Cronky out emblazoned on it. You know, so yeah, that yeah. sort of drags behind me. Mm, okay. Um, I don't. I mean, we've done the plane thing to death. You know, I, I, don't, yeah, want, don't, I don't want any more planes. Well, look. Here is a. Here's what I do. Here's what Go I on. do. So Stan Kroenke, as I'm sure you know, James, was born in uh, Columbia, Missouri, right? Yeah, of course. He, he went to the University of Missouri, which is in Missouri. Hmm. Now, do you know who Truman the Tiger is? No. Okay. Should I? No. There's no, no relation good... of Tony the Tiger. No. Looks slightly like him, but Truman the Tiger is the official mascot of the athletic teams of the uh, University of Missouri, right? Okay. Now, Truman the Tiger is named after the U.S. President Harry S. Truman, who I'm sure you know as the man who took over, uh, he succeeded uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt uh, towards the end of World War II. Harry Truman was the man who sanctioned the atomic bombs, on Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki. The right. plane which dropped the first atomic bomb was called the Enola Gay. Okay. Enola Gay is a song by 80s synth act 
OMD. Orchestral okay. Maneuvers in the Dark. I to give them their remember. full title. You remember yes. that? They had some bad songs in the 90s. Sure. Uh, but everyone remembers OMD from the 1980s. So what I would do, what I propose to do, would be to... Do you ever see that movie Inner Space with Dennis Quaid? Where he got shrunk oh. down and into the body of whoever it was, Meg Ryan? Yeah, I, or something. I remember it well, yeah. Um, so I would shrink myself down inside a mini combustible, whatever you call it, uh, spacecraft inside Stan Kroenke's body. Mm. I get in there Ooh. somehow in, in one of the orifices, one of the oh, cleaner gosh. ones. Pick a say. good one. Yeah, one of the, down the ear hole or something. Yeah. And I would have uh, amplification, big boombox on the outside of this little spacecraft, and I would play the greatest hits of OMD all day long. So Stan Kroenke would be going, what the f- why can I hear Joan of Arc? Why am I hearing this song, Enola Gay? Why am I hearing this song, that song? And I would play it and play it and play it with some subliminal messages telling him in no uncertain terms that until he gave the club a big chunk of money to spend on some good players, the music would continue forever. Forever. Fate worse than death. Fate worse than death. Earworms, literally earworms, until he was driven mad and said, no, here's $400 million. That's what Stan Kroenke sounds like. And that's how I would do it. I would do it for the benefit of everyone. It's a little bit complicated. Feed him to tigers, to be honest. You know, I thought this was going to be much more straightforward. But I like, I like that not only is it obviously horrific for him, but there is a kind of terrifying logic that underpins it all. Absolutely. Strategy. And you can reveal James. that to him yeah. over time. It's yeah. a strategy. Much like we have with our transfer business these days. Exactly. Give us the 20 million euros for Dennis Suarez. <laughs> or else. Stan. Or else. <laughs> Or else I will or we'll go climb in your orifices. <laughs> We're getting right in there. Uh, the yeah. music of orchestral maneuvers in the dark. Absolutely. Okay, well, maybe we should just uh, play out today with a little bit of OMD. No, we're not going to do that, don't worry. No? Okay. No, well, they, the the listeners have done a thing yeah, wrong. They exactly. <laughs> uh, no, look, they were good. They were quite good in their day. They had some okay tunes. But I uh, yeah. just think, you know, playing anything on repeat over and over and over again, it just, you know, it gets a bit trying. In your it brain. does get a bit true. So look, that seems to be our best hope for uh, winning the Premier League, which is sad mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's so fucking implausible. <laughs> but there you go. We have got a game against West Ham on Saturday. Lucas yes. Perez and... The return. Well, we're, it's at their place, but Samir oh, Nasri. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And Lucas Fabianski as well. And, Luca, and Jack Wilshere looking on from the sidelines. God, yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, there you go. So it's a bit of a reunion, bit of an old boys reunion on Saturday. We'll preview that game in the Arsecast on Friday. Uh, in the meantime, thank you as ever for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Apologies that it's later than usual on a Monday, but it's now in your ears and you've come to the end of it. So all's good. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Bye-bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 